when I put those on, it was revolutionary. It transformed everything. It was left up to Joe Cyclist. We'd get nowhere. Our whole modern way of life would be screwed. Design a mountain bike, Ernest. And you shoved it up your fork steerer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to this week's Single Track World podcast. I'm Hannah Dobson and I'm joined by Mark and Benji. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Um, um, we're going to start off by... Mark's going to try and trigger Benji and upset him. <laughs> just, to, just to warm him up this morning. So go, Mark. Well, obviously, because we get to see the next magazine before everybody else, I've, I've read parts of it. I've read all of it. Um, that's a lie. I've read some really good bits, and one it's of them is good. it is all good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Ben Benji's written a column in this next issue, which I found particularly entertaining. And uh, I don't know What's but, it when you read it. Has it got a name? Well, when you read it, you can I, can I can kind of read between the lines and detect your levels of kind of rage. And I just wanted to see if I could trigger it and ask you what is the problem you've got with mountain biking in the nineteen nineties. Because you seem to hate it. You seem to hate everything about it. Nothing wrong with mountain biking, ever, at any point. Um, mountain bikes just took a long time, didn't they? I don't think they were particularly the there yet. They basically well, said the, they were the, rubbish. The, the, they were, weren't they? Have what you was rubbish one? about mountain bikes in the 1990s? I think I was looking at them the other day, because I was trying to work out how, like, exactly how many, the numbers of what's changed. I think the, the general thing was the... Um, God, it was massive. The wheelbase was ridiculous, I think, was the main thing that leapt out at me. It was like, wow, we're on the same wheelbases as like World Tour road bikes. I don't know. They seem to be designed for being able to, the lack of um, anyone who moved it, who realised what they were doing. They're too short. Everything was really small. Like the obsession make everything really short as possible, which I understand from an aerodynamic road racing in a bunch point. 
That's fine. I understand why we have air moving around us very quickly and then not disturbed, but we aren't doing that. <laughs> um, and, uh, well, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not doing on a mountain bike, are we? That's what I mean. Well, the, the old, are you looking? Are you looking back? Are you looking back with two thousand and twenty-three eyes though? Because at the time, wasn't it amazing? It was amazing. I, suspe- I mean, you're, you're right. Suspension, for example, was rubbish in the 1990s. But because most of us were mountain biking in the 1990s, I mean, when I started, it was, I was literally on um, I was on a fully rigid bike. So the first yeah. forks that I got were Marzocchi Zokes hmm. with a magnificent amount of travel. I think it was. I think. Yeah. I think it was 50 millimeters of travel. And when I put those on, it was revolutionary. It transformed everything. And of course, they're rubbish now, but back yeah. then they were amazing. That took a long time to come though, didn't it? Like people what, holding suspension? on to um, non-suspend people, just people who... My bike is... If it was, if it was left up to cyclists, we'd be on the same bikes from 1960, whenever Mr Bianchi Man was riding around. We'd just be on them, wouldn't we? If it was left up to Joe Cyclist, we'd get nowhere. Is that down to Joe Cyclist or is that down to, like, UCI regulations? That Road bikes are basically the same as they have been for forever and they've been tightly regulated and you can only have your saddle at these many millimetres at angles and whatever. Like, Who cares what goes on with the road? What I resent is the fact that they've held sway over what's happened to mountain bikes since they came out. So what do you mean? Because it's the same product manager and the same people. Obviously. Design a mountain bike, Ernest. They're like, oh, what the frig I'm doing? None of it required any technology, did it? To make the geometry we have now, it required nothing has been invented. Is it? There's no... Whatever you want to talk about, these bikes could have been these numbers since 1990 oh, or whatever we've worked out. I feel like we need to send you on a frame building thing where you build a frame that is just like using all the technology that was available in the 90s, but uh, it takes the like forks and stuff of the 90s, but just does the geometry of a modern bike and then ride it somewhere and tell us if it's good or not. What are we doing then? Putting a new frame on old bits? Put, Is that it? Yeah, a new frame. So you would have to design the geometry according to what you think the correct geometry is. Because anybody could have welded any any yeah. frame in any angles, couldn't they, if they'd had the imagination mm. to do it. But then you'd have put your Marks Marzocchi forks on it or whatever, because that's what mm. was available. Like That genuinely has been technologically Just all the... Um... Just all the things taken as as uh, science by my peers or before, like short chain stays being good. For what? For what? Wheelies. Exactly, yeah. Get a BMX. We're not wheeling around, are we? When are we wheeling around on a mountain bike ride? We're not. For, go- for going around really tight corners. Oh, no. That's what. Oh, they, it's, oh, can we mention other publications? But just like mountain bike action is, was, was just, I'd hold them entirely responsible. And everyone was talking about short wheelbase and keeps it tucked in. And what are you doing? You're making me making us ride a roller skate round um, places. Yeah. And the other one, I think there's the next one about. I think there's another column coming about the uh, weight weenieism or weight savings, isn't there, or something? Yeah, that one. That one's due with me today. So. Right. Good. <laughs> We're on to the next next one already. Good. The first mountain bike, proper mountain bike that I bought was actually, now this is this is interesting, it was Trek. It was a Trek 930. It, the model was called 
the single track. It was the Trek 930 single track. And it was fully rigid and uh, it had grip shift. I think it cost about 500 yeah. quid. And had a head angle of, I think, about 71 degrees. I don't know what my geometry was on my original diamond bank, but it would have been whatever. But the first one I bought and looked into was part pre, remember them? And they, the angles on that were 72, 72. <laughs> Parallelogram. Terrible yeah. at both ends. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is there's no excuse in the 90s. The technology, yes, didn't exist for all the fancy suspension stuff. But you're saying, actually, it was nothing to do with technology designing proper angles on a mountain bike. Pipes could have been the numbers they are now since 1944, couldn't they? It's only welding. Did we trigger him, Hannah? Was I, I think I think we did, yeah. Anyway, you should go and read Ben's um, column in the latest it's issue. It's called you... What New Standards Have yeah. Been Worth It? <clears throat> yeah. Yes. And that will be out. Uh, there are some. Start and come in next week, basically, yeah. Well, that's, that, that's quite a good double rage, isn't it? Because it's rage against uh, putting up with stuff until it changed and then being forced to adopt new things that um, were frustratingly close to standards we already had that we should have used instead. Shall we segue from manufacturing of the past to manufacturing of the present and Taiwan, which is my talking point. We'll move on to something easier in a moment. (laughs) Taiwan. Yeah, you've been working on this for quite a while, haven't you, Hannah? Ah, yeah. Well, it was a whole can of worms. So yeah. what's your problem with Taiwan? Nothing. I don't have a problem with Taiwan at all. It sounds amazing. It's an island nation that is business focused and prosperous with good workers' rights and like quite libertarian laws and that kind of thing. What's this going to do with us? <laughs> so uh, basically loads of stuff in the bike world is made in Taiwan. Taiwan is this major like ecosystem where everything you need to build a bike is there and it's like a one-stop shop like going to the travel agents it's just there and if you want to design a bike all the skills all the experience from the actual like drawing it on paper to the welding it together um, is all there and so the world has become massively dependent on taiwan for the bike stuff for bike stuff but that's like a little tiny bit of what Taiwan does um, because Taiwan also makes almost all the semiconductors in the world so everything that's a microchip there's a there's a huge amount of dependency on Taiwan for that and China thinks that Taiwan should be part of it or indeed that it is part of it but it's like a breakaway republic and so there's been like rumblings for 70 odd years about China. So what's, the, what's what's happening now? I mean, why does this... It's been rumbling for 70 years. Why is this an issue now? Uh, it's just got more intense. Like, just today, uh, the um, Philippines and the USA have announced that they, they're going to have more US military bases there because of their concerns about China's moves against Taiwan. Um, so there's, it just seems like the way that the world is sitting and the various kind of anxieties about retaining power or whatever just it's a little bit like russia and ukraine it's that right yeah so it's like big big stuff Um, well this isn't just in your head because you've been asking lots of people in the industry about this and you've had some very interesting answers yeah and so is the industry really worried about this 
sort of are, but it's sort of too big to do anything about. And the semiconductor issue is way, way bigger and more important. Like our whole modern way of life would be screwed if everything kicked off in Taiwan. Like everything that involves a microchip would be delayed. And that's a much bigger problem than bikes. But if you kind of think about it, like that's too that's too big to comprehend. Whereas the idea that, oh, actually, I might not be able to get a fork to fix my bike, that's a little bit more like tangible, I think. So, so you're, you're basically you're writing a really cheerful article about the end of the world. <laughs> Trying not to. <laughs> it's, well, it, it feeds into all sorts of other like, I guess, philosophical stuff that is going on in the world, like local production, like people buy local ale don't they or local bread artisan stuff and um but they don't necessarily buy local bike parts and then when you look at how hard it would be to make local bike parts even though like in the uk we used to make millions of bikes now we don't and we've lost a lot of the the skills and the capacity to do it so i've spoken to some people like i've tried to uh move move production to different places and looked into it and um, it's pretty hard it'll take like a full-on concerted government effort to like invest in those skills and that kind of thing right so we should all be worried about this is your conclusion or we should at least pay attention and we should ask ourselves about the merits of centralization and um yeah, there are economies of scale and there's benefits of having concentrated um, skills and that kind mm. of thing. But so when's there is it, a when's downfall. This, when's this article out? When we when... Out on Saturday. Oh, so Before when this, World this... War Three breaks out. You know. All right, so that's last Saturday for people <laughs> listening to this. So no, it's out already. It will be out on the same day as this podcast, providing you manage to get yourself all edited. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Right, go check the website today, folks, yeah. because uh, Hannah's big... What are we going to call this? Is it an essay? Is it? Is it? It's it's uh, it's fascinating. There's know. a load of quotes from a lot of people across the industry and their opinions on on what's happening. So you say China could hold the entire planet to hostage by basically blockading Taiwan. Yes, that's what we're worried about, Ben. Yeah, fine. <laughs> well, I'll just be. I'm just of the ironically Marxist opinion that money rules, and there's too many people making money in China to mess it up, so I don't think they will. Uh, so it's like yeah. anywhere, isn't it? It's like anyone who runs a big country is uh, incredibly rich. Follow the money. What's that, The Wire? Do you remember watching The Wire? Yeah. You follow the money, you find what, what, what the reason is. I have a similar rationale about money making things uh, not quite as, well, you shouldn't worry too much. When it comes to convincing people that uh, chairlifts at ski resorts are safe, because the thing is that they they are safe because the resort couldn't afford for them not to be safe. If you know, so it's it's money that keeps them going. It's not all safety and everything. It's the fact that if if confidence fell because uh, there was problems with chairlifts and gondolas and all these things, same with aeroplanes. Aeroplanes are safe because the airlines couldn't afford for them not to be safe. 
It's a scary thing when you think about it, that it's actually nothing to do with being safe for humans. It's just to do with making sure that the money keeps flowing. Well, but if you want to take that stance, though, China has massive financial interests in major infrastructure throughout the world. And so, uh, like, um, UK power uh, provision has massive amounts of Chinese money in it. They have massive amounts of money in ports around the world. So like where Russia invaded Ukraine and everyone did all these massive, uh, like, um, uh, what's it called? Boy- sanctions, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, and we kind of haven't noticed the difference that much apart from gas because they're not making a load of stuff. Like, yeah, it'd be very hard to treat China in the same way. Wow, there's geopolitics for you this week, folks. Shall we <laughs> so get guess, back to talking yeah, about if bicycles? A point to it all, if there's a point to it all, it's that the geopolitics stuff does matter. And so it's, I was trying to use the bike industry and the effects of it as a, like a micro climate or whatever as an example of how it does matter and you should pay attention to it all. Yeah, I guess there's a, there's a, there's some of our... We do get this criticism, and it's fair, I think. Sometimes they... Uh, they they say to us, I come here just to talk about bikes, not about all this other stuff and the rest of it. I guess the point is, it's all politics and there's no escaping these Everything's things. Everything's connected. Everything's man. connected. And the, <laughs> the geopolitics of the world does affect mountain biking and does affect all of us one way or another. And we can't really I suppose it's it. if you, you might want to come to us because you don't want to read about it. That's the thing I would counter with that. I'd like to be a safe haven away from the frigging headlines. I've had enough of them. <laughs> but what's the point knowing about it? What am I going to do? I'm well, just like you know, just a little bit... Buy stocks now. To the brim of uh, uh, uh hand worriness without any power to do anything about it. I don't think it helps anyone. Kind of, we do have power, I think. I don't think it's... it's uh, we don't have power when everyone ignores it. That's when we have the least power. So Yeah, it's, but you're yeah, it's a catch-22. bike site. <laughs> People haven't come to mountain bike site. I know, I know what you mean, but there is. I, I do understand why people roll their eyes and they that... see content that isn't about what they've come to see. I'm fairly sympathetic to it, really. But then, if you place value on still being able to mountain bike, then mm. maybe you would make choices like buying from UK frame builders or going to the bespoke uh, hand-built bike fair where those are like investing in keeping those skills going rather than them all being totally centralized um, i yeah i mean moving away from being in the center of both of those two positions of you there i'm going to try and say that i think it's just really useful for us all to know where everything comes from and if if that's all that happens is that people are aware of stuff where stuff comes from then i think that that's that's a really good thing that we, we think we, we don't question the fact that um, it's really important to know where food comes from and uh, and the the politics around you know certain foods and that sort of thing you know we we think that's a very healthy position to be in to be able to make good choices so maybe all of this geopolitics and things in mountain biking just allows people to make good choices mm-hmm. and we try and balance it don't we? we we do stupid things and we try and keep it entertaining we do the magazines full of nice aspirational places to just go and ride your bike so mm-hmm. yeah and big we- reviews Big reviews. Big important reviews. And that's our next segue because we reviewed a mudguard this week. Yeah. Mm. And Benji wants to talk about mudguards. Tell us about mudguards, Ben. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Choose single track. Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad-free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single track salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. Well, it was me and Hannah who are not particularly traditionally rear mudguards, isn't it? I don't think anyone would... I think the front mudguard acceptance is uh, is uh, it's fine, isn't it? Particularly since they go on your fork now and they actually work and they don't... Um, whatever. Uh, but the rear mudguard... It's eyes, isn't it? The front the front mudguard is about making sure you don't get crap sprayed up in your eyes. I mean, yeah. a, you can't really argue with that level of functionality. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing is pretty important. Well, then the, the rear one is um, uh, just a funny... Well, I mean, we're all grown-ups, but it just shows like grown-ups aren't grown-ups, are we? It's like, why haven't we all got rear mudguards on? Because um, after basically having to use one for a bit, because it was part of the job to see, review it and things, um, why I wouldn't put one on my own normal bike. But I probably would and have put one on... I don't have... Uh, e-bike of my own there's always one here why is it acceptable to put one on an e-bike but not on a normal bike so that makes no that sense a, at all is that a that's case? the general that a vibe i get seen? from people yeah yeah so people I think people we're, we're happy to just somewhere we're happy to ride rear mudguards on e-bikes but not non-e-bikes i is think that a trend so. you've noticed yeah well i don't really see rear mudguards on very and a percentage of normal bikes as many as you see on e-bikes I think there's a lot of e-bike riders, their strength is they don't give a flying F what anyone thinks they look like because they're on an e-bike already. You know what I mean? They've got over that. I've not bothered what you think about me. I've left that behind. So I'm on an e-bike and I've got a rear mudguard thing. I think a lot of it is because they never used to work. They never used to work, did they? I mean, they used to attach them to um, uh, um, seat posts. So since droppers came along, I guess that's got rid of that crud weight buster. putting it on. And they also, yeah, and they never had a crud guard. They never used to work, did they? Crud buster things, yeah. I think it was crud catcher on the front, underneath the down tube, and the crud guard was on the back. Now they did one originally that went in 
had little metal things coming down to your pannier rack bolts from memory. So that was very tied to a certain type of back end. Um, but it worked because it was very close to tire, wasn't it? And once we went to the ones that like were Mark II and it went on your seat post and was free in the air, it was too far away from the rear tire to be as good as it could be. And you always used to hit it with your foot getting on and off, I seem to recall. And it was also impede hanging off the back of it. Just want to say now I've got a really good crud anecdote that I want to actually tell you about. But carry on. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> what's that I've, I've ruined your flow now, Ben. No, but yeah, I think a lot of people, I think, I think we will see them creeping on to normal bikes um, more and more. Just like we have done with them coming front mud guards of fairly standard. I mean, they start with like little marsh guards, didn't they? And RRP things, bendy things. And that was like a gateway. And now, not say everyone, but we're all got big old moto, um, fork crown, zip tie or bolt on whatever, um, mud guards on. In the UK, anyway, definitely. Because they've realised, oh yeah. So Ben, you're now you're a convert to rear mud guards now. I think a lot of it as well on the mud guard front. I think we mentioned this before when we talked about it. Just Hannah and me in the office the other day. It was like I think because you're when you are in winter, you've had enough on a normal bike quite quick, so you don't get to that third hour where you've got a bit hypothermic so much anymore. Whereas on an e-bike, you're like, oh, I'm still keep on going. I'm going to keep going for three or four hours or whatever it is. So by that point, you've if you'd not had a rear mud guard on, even if you've physically got enough energy left, you've just got very uncomfortable at the back. So there's a bit of that. It's about where you, how long you ride on an e-bike is probably a big thing about it. But I think most of it is just um, people Can I tell worried about story now? how they look, I think. But we don't know, and I don't know, I've not I've really looked at rear mud guards until Mudhugger sent them. So I don't know whether Mudhugger gets unfairly overrepresented in these sort of things but whether there's anyone else doing them they mount like that which seems Ones to be that don't um... flap about and rattle well they, they attach to the swing arm mm. they attach to the swing arm which is uh i'm not really aware of any others that uh, attached in the way that one does um... right, i'm going to tell you my crud story now okay hmm. Okay, this is this is a historical story. Uh, this is ju- just predates single tracks. This is probably about 1999. I was freelancing for MB UK, and I was sent uh, up to interview uh, Mr. Tompkins, Mr. Crud, at the time, uh, and he lived near Scarborough. So I went up there to do an interview for MB UK. And oh, it was it was great great place where he lived. He got you know this this like farmhouse just outside Scarborough, and it was all very pretty. We went for a ride, uh, went back to his house, and he showed me around the grounds of his house. And he's got like a I like this stable block. Um, yes, you can make money out of plastic mud gods, it seems. But uh, he showed me the stable block, and he didn't have horses. But in one stable block, he opened the door, and uh, there was a mountain of plastic parts i don't we might have some listeners who are old enough i bet benji remembers these um once upon a time mbuk had a cover mount gift and it was called the crud bum and oh, what yeah. it was yeah. 
was a little round disc with some little plastic bits on, and you shoved it up your um, fork steerer. <laughs> and it basically sealed off the bottom of your fork steerer from mud. Mm. Um, because if you look up inside your fork steerer, you can see there's internal gubbins that goes up. And, um, and that used to get caked in crap and mud and stuff. And so the crud bung was designed to basically just block that hole. And um, MBUK did a deal with um, crud to put cover mount leaves. And these were back in the day when you could literally, um, when MBUK was selling like 65,000 copies a month. So their print run had probably over 100,000. So in order to do this, uh, crud had to produce an enormous quantity of these little tiny plastic bungs. And because of the the way that um, scale works in, in making these plastic things, they had to do, they had to make like almost like half a million of these things. And they cover mounted these on and he was left with basically hundreds of thousands of these things. And when he opened the stable door, they were all there. They weren't bagged in boxes or anything like that. They were literally just dumped in as if it was a coal cellar and they were red and it just it this pile of this stuff went up the walls and um and he said i don't know what the hell i'm going to do with them and for some reason i said can i have some and he said yes and he got a sack and he filled a sack of these things and i left with a sack of plastic crud bungs i must have had maybe a few thousand in 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 that sack I had no idea what I was going to do with them. And then single track came along and um, and we decided, <laughs> I remember we, we took uh, a, this sack to the first bike show where we launched single track, which was in April 2001. It was at the NEC in Birmingham. And we proudly turned up with all of our magazines that we had priced at £2.95. Uh, and, and we hadn't brought any 5Ps. And it was cash only back in those days. There was no plastic. So we were trying to sell a magazine and people were handing over three quids and fivers. And we had no change. We had no way to do it. So what we did was we gave a crud bung as a five pence change. So we said, we haven't got any five Ps, but here, have a crud bung. So everybody who bought a, a single track magazine back then got a crud bung in their change. And uh, and I think we had a stock of crud bungs that went on for maybe several years. And at various points in the early years of single track, we were doing all sorts of weird offers with these crud bungs, uh, giving them away and uh, using them as basically currency. I wonder if there's anybody out there, let us know if you still have your original uh, crud bung that you got from us back in the early noughties. That would be, uh, be a fun thing. There we go. That's my anecdote. Um, crud bungs. Could bugs to be found inside Wales around the world. Yes. Yeah. What are they? They weren't co-branded with MBUK. <laughs> no, they were. No, actually, they weren't. I don't. Back then, we wouldn't have given, We wouldn't have cared anyway. You know, mm. we just had a, a you know a few thousand free crud bugs, and uh, yeah, I think there was one point we actually had a round tub of these, and we went to an event, and we put prizes inside the thing, and then filled it with crud bugs. So it was like a like a well, those things where you, you... A tombola? Like a tombola, and you dug your hand into the... The brand in, tub. A brand <laughs> tub, that was it. You dug your hand into the brand tub of crud bones and you pulled out a prize. So we did that for a time as well. Yes. I'm not sure what else we used them for, but we, we, we made the most of them, and eventually they all they all went. There was a, there was a time where there was only... I remember there was a... This is the last crud bone. 
I think it was probably about 2005 when we had the last crud bunk. I don't know it's a shame we it. haven't got any left because Charlie could have put them into the Valentine's bundle. I think oh, that would have gone quite nicely. The crud bung with the bum butter and the bobble hat. Yeah. What are you inferring there, Hannah? <laughs> I just think it would have made a good good headline somewhere. A good bung. I wonder, I wonder where they all went. They'll be, they'll be in like they'll be on a, a cycle route, won't they? They'll be like or a tennis court somewhere, won't they? All yeah. His, I wonder uh, if he's still Tompkins got that bungs. stable full of thousands mm. of crud bungs. I remember them. Is that it for today? <laughs> have we got more? I think that's that's about it. We do have a, a bundle offer on. It's it. This is Charlie's version of a Valentine's gift. So oh, yeah, you get that? a single Two weeks, track. Couple of weeks off, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple of weeks away. So and with the post and all of that, you know, go for it. But um, yeah, so you get a single track bobble hat, bum butter. You get a big tub and a little tub um, in a bundle, and there's about ten quid saving on it. At the minute, so there we uh, go. It's the spread the love Valentine's bundle. <laughs> okay, show show your partner that you you you're serious about the relationship. With a tub of bun butter, a knob yeah. of bun butter, in a fact. knob of bun butter. Okay, bun butter is quite good for uh, if you've got ropey uh, whatever you call these bits on your fingers. I don't know. It's like salve, isn't it? Really? Is that what they, that's yeah. what I mainly use it for. Yeah, it's good. You can use it for lots of things. Yeah. It's quite Depends cheap, actually, if you treat it as a, a alternative to whatever it's called, chapstick. It still exists. But don't double dip, as Charlie always says. Yeah, no, exactly. So that's what I guess you, you end up with two, a big tub and, mm. uh, and a small knob. Then uh, you, you've got two. There you go. No double dipping problems. Come, to, come for single track for the bikes and stay for the innuendo. That should be Indeed. a new uh, <laughs> let's, Shall we leave it there? Yes. Okay. Thanks, everyone. And thanks for listening. And uh, tune in again next week for more of this sort of thing. <laughs> Down Bye. with this sort of thing. Bye. Careful now. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.